Stoner Chicks. We're four friends who met through comedy and bonded through weed. I'm Grace Penzel. I'm Kayla Teal. I'm Stephanie Thompson. I'm Phoebe Richards. If you love smoking weed and laughing with your friends, this podcast is for you. Weekly episodes will drop on Fridays starting April 2nd, so subscribe now to Stoner Chicks wherever you get your podcasts. Coming to your favorite podcatcher soon. What's up, dudes? I'm Jerry D of Totally Rad Christmas, the podcast that talks all things Christmas in the 80s. Toys, movies, specials, music, books, fashion, and fads. If it was gnarly during Christmas in the 80s, he's got it covered. Wait, is there a lot of things to talk about for the 80s and Christmas? Well, you got the movie giants like Christmas Vacation, Scrooge, and A Christmas Story. There are TV specials like Muppet Family Christmas, Claymation Christmas Celebration, and a Garfield Christmas Special. Plus classics shown every year. You also jam out to Last Christmas, Do They Know It's Christmas, and Christmas in Hollis. But most of all, it was a time for the most bodacious, best-selling Christmas toys ever, like He-Man, G.I. Joe, Transformers, and Cabbage Patch Kids. Yes, them too. We cover them all, plus much more, including standard segments like Hap Hap Happiest Memory, Gag Me With The Spoon, The Other Half of the Battle, and Chant With The Littles. So tune in to Totally Rad Christmas everywhere you get your podcasts. Turn the clock back and dive into those warm and fuzzy memories. Later, dudes. Hey, Jerry. Remember Frogger? I used to be so into this game. Getting that frog across the street was my entire life. Yeah, and then you went on to... Well, it's a good game. Double jump. Eat the flight. Eat it. Thanks a lot. Ah, beat it, punk. Hey, look at the high score. GLC, George Lewis Costanza. That's not you, is it? Yes. 860,000. I can't believe it's still standing. No one has beaten me in like 10 years. I remember that night. Uh, perfect combination of Mountain Dew and mozzarella. Just the right amount of grease on the joystick. Here's your pizza, pea brains. I think I remember why we stopped coming here. Yeah. This is the Nostal Junk Podcast, where one person's junk is another person's childhood. I'm Matt McGraw. And I'm Kyle Smith. Join us as we take a deep dive into your pop culture consciousness. First things first. First things first, we gotta do some escaping. <laughs> Definitely want to give a shout out to a group of fellow podcasters that have you know, kind of come across our social media via VHS podcast, Super Movie Bros. Prime Nostalgia. They were actually, uh, that was one of the first podcasts to connect with us. We were on the show. Even before we even did our, our first recording, I think we were on that guy's podcast. It, it was, was awesome. Pretty, it was pretty awesome. <laughs> yeah. He uh, was a wrestling fan there. The Nostalgia Blast podcast. Young Nostalgia podcast. Secret Levels podcast. Retro Slam Masters podcast. That has to do with wrestling. And... Um, the nostalgia cast. Nostalgia is just so big right now. Like it you're is. always seeing every day. I'm seeing an article that says you know certain anniversary or you know just like we last week we talked about our favorite toys and I think it was either I think it was yesterday uh, someone on Facebook linked to us saying that micro machines are coming back. Like nostalgia is so like nostalgia as a marketing tool is so powerful. Like because who's asking for micro machines? Probably you know. Nobody really, but because it's just a specific callback reference to a specific group of people, like you know, it'll be successful. 
or even just like maybe a video game, uh, which brings us to today's episode. But yeah, especially like something like video for me, something like a video game, like a an old classic game that'll be remade, maybe like yes. the Resident Evil ones that were just uh, Resident Evil Two recently remade, and um, any kind of classic thing like that. Like I'm just more, I'm just I want it, and because I can buy it, like I will almost immediately. You know what I mean? If I if it's something that taps into my yeah, you know. yeah, like reissuing era specific video games or toys. Like they reproduce the same packaging, not just throw it out there. Like they're trying their hardest to actually appeal to us. The box art needs to look right. Yeah. The coloring needs to be the same. Well, there's a, I, I don't know what the label is or the, um, the people putting them out, but I saw on Amazon there is a specific line of blu-rays where the box art is like specifically designed to look like a weathered vhs jacket and i want them i know and i want all of them even though they're movies i probably some of them i haven't even heard of but it's just such a cool package that you know it taps into that kind of i can just still picture my shelf of like stacks of vhs on my wall as a kid like you know the old cardboard kind of weathered boxes up there oh i love that yeah i love that yeah, you were saying that you um, really weren't much of a gamer? No, as... no, definitely not. Okay. No. But I did have NES when I was about five, and we got the three-in-one beginner set, which was uh, Super Mario Brothers, Duck Hunt, and... I think that's it. Nope. Nope. Oh, there was another game with it? Oh, yeah. So the classic, the classic master set is the, the Zapper, the system with two controllers, and the double cartridge of Mario and Duck Hunt. That's the sure. master set. Yeah, well, this was not that. <laughs> this this was it had a running mat. Oh, yes, yes, yes. That those things the the peripherals that never worked for Nintendo, mm-hmm. like the robot and yep. um the power glove and uh, Oh, I had the power glove. Yeah. I think a lot of people had the power glove. Yeah. It didn't do it and it didn't do anything. No, but it was incredible just to have on. One the wizard made made everybody want to have the power glove. Remember that movie? Oh, yeah. Yeah, you can play Rad Racer by just moving your hands. Oh yeah, what was it called? Oh, the Power Pad. The yes. Power Pad looked like Twister. A twister right. mat. Yeah, it's yeah. like a Dance Dance Revolution. Yeah, it's like Wii. It's true. Yeah. Oh yeah, because you could do like track and field and run and run on the spot. Yeah. 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 This body wasn't. <laughs> this wasn't. The body wasn't built for running. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Even at that young of an age. Oh no, definitely not. <laughs> definitely not. So NES came out in 86. That kind of revitalized uh, video gaming because there was, a, there was a bit of a fall in the early 80s, right around that time when that horrible E.T. game came out. For Atari, yeah. Right? And it Infamous. just failed. Yeah, there's a great article. I forget who wrote the article, but all about the history of that E.T. game for Atari and just how much of it. Like, they just pushed it out too fast. They had the, the rights to it, and the movie was such a hit. And they just, it, there was no, the game didn't have any point. It was a disaster, and then they ended up just, when Atari went under, mostly also probably caused because of the disaster of that game, they, like, filled landfills with, isn't there, wasn't there a story of tens of thousands of cartridges somewhere and buried in a landfill? Did you have an, you had an Atari? No. You didn't? (laughs) Yeah, I loved, I still love, what's the game, Pitfall? I loved Pitfall. Oh, yeah. Um, There was one where, yeah, maybe it was Pitfall where you're, like a Tarzan guy and you have to jump over um boulders and 
jump and swing on vines and you don't remember that game no actually you probably yeah because you're a little younger than me you might uh yeah and it's i it's just that much of a gap that makes a big difference in terms of 80s 90s technology mm -hmm. mid 80s hit and then the market blew up because super mario was so successful as the take-home nes like you know flag bearer like it took decades before they beat those sales well because it, it came with the system everybody had not only was the game amazing and just like in, just incredible to someone playing it for the first time it came with the system everybody had it yeah every single person who had a nintendo had super mario brothers number five would be super mario i didn't play games necessarily for missions or what they were designed for i just liked thumbing around like i just i just enjoyed playing them okay and i remember uh, just being totally smitten with the fact that I'm playing something on TV in my bedroom. Yeah, for sure. At like five years old. Yeah, like it's a really cool concept, and this is this is this is essentially a computer. Yeah, you know, and it's also amazing just how simple the controls were, yeah. uh, and just uh, that just uh, in, you know increased its accessibility to literally everybody on the planet. Like you you move forward and you jump. That's pretty much the basics of Super Mario Brothers. You know. There's, and obviously, you can shoot fireballs, but um, so something so perfect in how simple the controls from and the level designs were for Mario. You know what I mean? Just for everybody. So that's your number five. Yeah. All right, I'm going in a little different direction for my list. Um, I'll get back to the NES and Super Mario in a second. But growing up, uh, after I had you know the NES for a little time, we ended up getting. A personal like our first personal computer like man this is so long ago it's so crazy that just how far computers have come but we had the tandy 1000 and there was a specific company that made adventure games that are just so important to me as a gamer uh and i still i love going back to these games today i still find them they're like on archive websites and stuff but this game to me was um it, it's special because of how like Raw, it was almost like I shouldn't have been playing it. I was a little too young to be playing it. But Sierra Online and Al Lowe made a game called Leisure Suit Larry. Do you know Leisure Suit Larry? Oh my god, I so, do remember that. How actually. old was I when that came out? I, you know, 10 or 11. And I remember going to Radio Shack at Penhorn Mall in Dartmouth, Nova Scotia. Wow. I don't know if they were supposed to let me because it was obviously I mean, you know, a mature game for that, that, that time, but they let me buy it. And if you don't know what Leisure Suit Larry is, you're, you play as a guy named Larry Laffer, and you're in a city called Lost Wages. Get it? Las Vegas? Lost Wages? <laughs> um, and your goal is to get laid. <laughs> you're a single guy yeah, out yeah. in the town. you got to cruise around Lost Wages, and you got to find a lovely lady to share your time with. And there's multiple ways you can do that. Uh, some ways, like spending the night with a prostitute, will get you killed because you get an STD and you die. Uh, others... <laughs> If you forget to like zip up your pants, you'll get um, uh, uh, arrested by the police. It's just very, it was an adult game, very weird uh, text based, you know, adventure adult game, but cartoonish. So it was fun for a kid playing it. And man, I loved, I loved <laughs> Leisure Suit Larry. Even the intro to get into the game, you had to answer a bunch of adult based questions to prove that you were. 18 or of age That's and so it was it was what's hilarious is just as a little kid it was just a matter of trial and error like you know you, as soon as you you just guess or if you know it you know it but if you guess and you get it wrong 
you just restart the game you guess oh i got it right okay mark that one down you got that one right um anyways there's just something so amazing i remember it was just something a little taboo about getting that game i love Leisure larry so much my i think my dad made me return it um after he found out i bought it but then i had next door neighbor that was a little older and he let me borrow his and play it yeah you definitely shouldn't have bought that <laughs> what Lucius <Lucia> larry <laughs> been allowed to <laughs> buy the store but that's a different era. But yeah, and this, so this is, yeah, there's been a lot of Luigi Larry games, a lot of like reincarnations of Luigi Larry, even a remake of the original. But so yeah, but my, my game is going to be the original one. I think, yeah, I forget, Very 89, cool. 88, 89. Yeah. Yep. So yeah, that's my number five. Very cool. Very cool. Sticking with Nintendo, NES in particular, the game that had more appeal to me overall going into it regardless of gameplay i know a lot of people will um evaluate games based off of their quote-unquote gameplay but for me that doesn't really matter i'm not that market (laughs) i'm not that target audience number four nightmare on elm street oh the nes version yeah nice yeah you're of course you're trying to run you're beating the clock you're trying to stay awake you're in the dream world. Things that attack you in, in it are riffs off of the movies, like in part three, when he turns into the giant head, you know, attached to the snake and tries to eat Patricia Arquette. Uh, that boss of Freddy is, oh, wow. is, is in the game. Right? Nice. There's also a really cool, just a glove that like recoils and slashes at you. But the scenery in it, very reminiscent of, the movies, of course, looking like NES, but you, if you're a fan of the movies, you'll recognize a lot of the references throughout the game mm-hmm. as well. So this game came out 89, right in between uh, part three and part four. So this is kind of like right at Freddy at his marketability. That is to say, the prototype of the game, you were supposed to be Freddy to kill people. Wow. So, yeah, I can see why they maybe not have not wanted to go in that direction. Atari actually put out a Texas Chainsaw Massacre game. You could be Leatherface. Really? So for Atari 2600. I mean the graphics couldn't have been too no. too gruesome, but but that- for Atari 2600 they put out um Texas Chainsaw Massacre the game where the player controls the murderer with the objective of chasing and killing the victim. Of course. So, you Leatherface. <laughs> what else are you going to do? He's Leatherface. <laughs> <laughs> I really enjoyed I really enjoyed that game just because I was a fan of Freddy. Um I I couldn't tell you if it's a good game or a bad game. It was just a lot of fun and I loved seeing the references and anything Freddy related. Wow. I'm so so surprised I've I've never played that game. I don't think I have. I must have seen it in like screenshots or something, but Yeah. All right. So now I'm going to move to the NES for my number 4. And this game is just so much it's just like a joy it's just like pure joy for a nintendo game just the amount of different characters the replayability even though the gameplay is very simple but my number four is mike tyson's punch out oh, oh, oh. <laughs> remember that game oh i do um just the the characters are so fun in that like king hippo glass joe piston honda <laughs> piston honda might be a little uh um what's the word racially insensitive but a lot of the characters actually what was the uh 
the Indian character's name now. I forget. I can't remember. Um, but yeah, you know, Little Mac, your Little Mac, the underdog, yeah. just trying to rise above. And um, it's just such a fun game. Replayability, uh, because, you know, it's about pattern recognition. It's about ryth- It's like a rhythm game, essentially. You know, you got to time your punches right. And I don't know, man, something about that game. I could just always go back to that and play that. I could in one of the games, actually, I've never beaten. I, I can't beat Mike Tyson. I just can't. Or as he's later to be known as Mr. Dream. I don't know what happened there. I wish I, I should have done some research on the story of that, but it uh, was no longer called Mike Tyson's punch. Out. It was just called punch out featuring Mr. Dream later, but I had the original box with Mike Tyson's face on it. And, um, but yeah, I could never beat him. He would always just destroy me as soon as he came out. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so that's my number four. Wow. Mike Tyson's punch out. Yeah, that was that was a lot of fun. <laughs> so that much fun, fun. Still fun. Yeah. I don't know if I have uh, an actual game to choose for this next pick, but it existed for a very short what felt like a very short period of time and it's it's the actual platform itself and it was uh Game Gear. Game Gear. Oh, was that the portable? Yep. That's right. Which I've ne- well, I never I never had that, but yes, I do remember. So I remember being in elementary, playing that every recess, lunch, after school. Mighty Morphin Power Rangers the game. They had one of those for Game Gear. Yep, three special moves per character. Single player story mode, plot based battles against an assortment of enemies. The Green Ranger and Dragon Zord become unlocked once they are defeated story mode that's basically all that i wanted to be was just the green ranger the entire time nice tommy was super cool but quickly glancing over some of the details here electronic gaming monthly gave it a 6.2 out of 10 i think that's pretty decent for like mid 90 video games especially for a portable and it was full color it had some you know cheesy music and um you know, it is what it is, but I distinctly remember really loving the um, gameplay. I'm going to use that term for real this time. The gameplay. In uh, the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers for Game Gear. Perfect. Cool. Um, all right, moving on to my number three. And now I'm going to go, keep, I'm going to go back to, the, to Sierra Online, who were just such an important part of my childhood. So many games that I could list. Um, but this one is actually the first computer game, a computer adventure game I'd ever played when we got our Tandy 1000. Uh, my dad had bought this game to go along with it. And it was, uh, Sierra Online was basically created by Roberta and Ken Williams. And Roberta Williams, her, probably her legacy, her greatest, contrib- you know, the greatest thing she's ever created is the King's Quest series. Did you ever hear, you hear the King, King's yeah. Quest series? Yeah. So, uh, the first game I ever played was King's Quest IV, The Perils of Rosella. And that game is so amazing. Like, it's so special. Um, the music is incredible in that game. You're just, you play um, the daughter of the king, King Graham, and King Graham is from the original King's Quest I. And he's on his deathbed. And you're tasked by a fairy to go to an ancient land called Tamir to get a magic fruit that will save him from death and make him live forever. So you get whisked away to this land. And um, what's cool about the exploration of the island that you're on is a lot of the puzzles are based on like fairy tales. Like you meet up with 
were um, the seven dwarves at one point. Like one of the puzzles is you come across their house and you clean the house for them and the seven dwarves come home and they leave you a pouch of diamonds and like it's i don't know just cool like cause and effect kind of puzzles Mm -hmm. like that then you find yourself in a haunted woods at one point a haunted mansion you gotta like go up a tower to play a piano with a piece of sheet music that you got from earlier like just that game is so awesome to me and the, the the first computer game i ever played and ever really loved and I uh, actually just played that a little bit last week because I just found it on online. Yeah, man, that game is amazing. That's awesome. It's like, actually was one of the biggest sellers for them at the time. I think like one of the first computer games ever to sell over a million copies or something. Okay. Um, but yeah, amazing, amazing. The King's Quest Four: The Perils of Rosella. Wow, <laughs> that's awesome. You know what? That reminds me of uh, a game that I, I might put in my honorable mention, which I'll say now uh, for NES: uh, Dragon Warrior. Oh, Dragon Warrior for NES, yeah. yeah, yeah. And that was probably the first, that's probably the first role-playing game I ever played. Yeah. I Not re- knowing it, what a role-playing game was. No, exactly. <laughs> and and again, nothing that I was into. In fact, I think my dad studied the, the manual and then tuned me up on it the next day, but basically walked me through what I need to do. I loved all the villains that came out of, you know, like as you were going through the forest and whatnot. Like, a slime draws near. Exactly, slime right? Slime was so weak, you could just yeah, like hit, command. One sh- hit one shot and you'd right. be dead. Yeah. That one I'll, I'll, I'll put as an honorable mention. Nice. Yeah. What number am I on? Three. Three. Oh. Yeah. A three. Okay. A three. No. Yeah. I said, you said Super Mario and then you said um, Nightmare on Elm Street. Street. And then I did um, the Game Gear Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. Oh, you did! Oh man, so sorry. I thought I went. I thought I went first with my number three. Okay. There you go. All right. Uh, so number two. Yes. Number two. WCW versus the world. Oh, I was okay. What system is that for? Uh, PlayStation. Oh wow. Okay. I thought you were going to say in WCW versus NWO. Right. No, that, that would make sense. <laughs> this, I felt at the time, was, I guess, groundbreaking in a way that no other um, no other gaming system ever framed wrestling before. Mm-hmm. The camera would pan in close to the wrestlers and then, like, turn around, like, 180s. <clears throat> so, like, while you, were, while you were wrestling, like, the camera would... Well, those graphics actually look pretty good. Weren't, they really weren't bad. You could do your full finishers. But what was really cool about the game was not so much about the graphics, but the movesets were actually pretty uh, robust. And then the roster was also very full. So Holy. they combined not only WCW, but they also brought in like the, the New Japan wrestlers. And, you know, they, they had a lot more to offer than the standard televised roster that you would only experience in WWF games at that time. Like, you know, when, when you look up the, the WWF games at that same time, you would be limited to, um, you know, like Bret Hart, Razor Ramon, like the, the A-listers. Mm-hmm. This was less of A-listers. It was more about, let's get as many choices on there. Yeah, it would set them apart. Remember when Mortal Kombat first came out, there was only really like six fighters you could choose from. Right. Um, so yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, so uh, WCW versus the world for PlayStation. Nice. 
So I will, now that you just made me think of it, I'm going to give an honorable mention right now as well to um, the original NES. Uh, it was called Pro Wrestling. Do you remember that I game? Do. So <laughs> I can't, I haven't thought about that game in so long. You just made me think of it. And I'm just looking at uh, uh, just quickly their Wikipedia page. I totally forgot. I remembered Starman from Mexico. I think he had a kind of star mask on. And then there's a wrestler called the Amazon. Oh, yeah. From where? Parts Unknown. Unknown. I wonder if Mike Smith from Trailer Park Boys got the Green Bastard from Parts Unknown. Well, I wonder if that's from this game. Very well could be, but the Warrior was also known as being from Parts Unknown. Oh, okay. I didn't know that. But that's fine. That's but yeah, the pro wrestling. I just amazing. Let me like, see it. And I remember there was um, oh, you could do a move where you just like rack their face with your hand, like ah, yeah, and make make right. a noise like a like a growling noise. Oh, or whatever. Man. That must have been the Amazon that did that one. Yeah, I yeah, forget. Yeah. But yeah, so that's, that's my fantastic. Yeah, that's cool. All right. Uh, so my number two, and it's already been mentioned, but I had to put it a little higher because. The greatest one of the greatest moments of my life was when I got the master set from NES. That system with the two controllers, the zapper, and the one-two punch of Duck Hunt, which is fine. Oh, the Super Mario Brothers yeah, yeah, yeah. in my number two. That's very cool. It's, I mean, it's it's probably in like one of those museums, you know, like the Smithsonian or whatever. It's it's one of the most important, one of the greatest video games of all time. Yeah. Um and I, I you said you like to play it just to kind of fart around like yeah. I was beating that motherfucker. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> like I was into it, you know, That's getting awesome. all the secrets going down the yeah. the right tubes. Even in World 1 2 when you can go like above the level, well the first time you figure that out and you found the warp zone, yep. the like warp the warp pipes, like a classic, just Super Mario Brothers, man, amazing. Yeah, yeah it's it's just so funny because I I I miss the I guess I missed the appeal of how to get sucked into it. Yeah, uh, but even just the classic story of you know you're trying to defeat the monster to save the princess, the woman that you love. Like, <laughs> what yeah. a great and every level. Like, why is Toad? Like, what's Toad even doing at the end of every level? He's like, sorry, Mario. Our princess is in another castle. What are you doing here? (laughs) And why is Bowser, like, holding you hostage? Seven Toads he's holding hostage so that you can finally get to World 8 and get to actually save Princess Peach. That's awesome. (laughs) My my number one is definitely, and this list, my God, this is is my definitive not what you should take to the bank as... No, for sure. Your top five of anything. Because yeah, my like, number one is not uh, a, a, a well-received game, I don't think. Okay. But... Ooh, I like this already. All right, so, well, it's PlayStation. Perfect. ESPN X Games. Wow. Oh, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and, and part of my memories of playing that was it was the same year that guitar was really taking over my hobby and interest, my passion. It's also the same year that I got... Green Day's Insomniac album, which I would put on, I would mute the game and I would put on Insomniac on repeat. Oh, nice. Okay. So I would be personal soundtrack. Yeah, I would be playing uh, X Games Mm -hmm. on PlayStation, and then next to it, I had my five disc CD changer, which I only needed the one because evidently I was only listening to Insomniac. (laughs) But Insomniac was my soundtrack to X Games, and I just really just wanted. Just to, again, just to fart around, but it was so much fun. And I remember that as like being my ultimate video gaming memory. Awesome. That is yeah. awesome. I've never, I don't think I've ever played that, um, that version. 
but I now I'm just thinking of, I mean, again, I got to go with another honorable mention, but the Tony Hawk games. Oh, of course. <laughs> I mean, yeah. was that around the same? I'm trying to think of the time that maybe it could have been around the same. So there was, a, was there any licensed music in the X games? Um, not that you can remember. Not that I can remember. I remember that, you know, it had your standard like punk beats and whatnot, but, um, <laughs> kind of going back to the dad record club discussion. I did have, um, an X game soundtrack, mm-hmm. which I thought was more fitting for the X game. That's true. Yeah. yeah. It was, it was, it was a really eclectic mix, but at the same time it appealed to the exact same group of people. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny how like punk and that kind of metal just like kind of lent itself so well to skateboarding BMX scene, like, you know, that kind of act. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's that, that, uh, that miscreant. Yeah. Yeah. Rebellious. Yeah. 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 For sure. Yeah. But anyway, there you go, man. That's my list. That's your number one. Yeah. Not to, you know, kind of extrapolate on even more honorable mentions, but game genie. That was the cartridge that you plugged into the cartridge. Yeah, for sure. It had all the extras. And you right? could like do all the cheat codes and stuff. Yeah, man. But do you remember do you uh, remember the ni- the fifty was it fifty thirty one and one? Do yep. you remember those? Yep, my neighbor had that. <laughs> all those games were like you probably two or three good games on it and a lot of crap, but it's so amazing that you had man, there's thirty one games on this cartridge and now you can literally probably have ten thousand games on your phone. But. And I think that's what kind of ruins this nostalgic discussion is the accessibility to blow past the like the amazement of one object to contain yeah. all. So now we expect everything to be ready at all times. Yeah. And that goes with with movies and music as well. Like oh, yeah. going to Blockbuster to rent just one movie or going to Music World just to because you know you wanted to buy one specific CD. That was the only way you could get it, you know. Yep. Yeah. yeah. I th- it's it's almost like this uh this unfortunate ADHD of of overstimulation but um instant gratification like you need it now but I can't tell you what it is I can't make up my mind but I need something now well that's the funniest thing about now just browsing Netflix or any of those streaming oh, services God. you know you browse the joke you know the running joke a lot of the times is you you know you, you browse forever and then you don't end up you just end up like on your phone, not, like you don't watch that's anything. That's not a joke. That's my life. I can't. I can't make. A, I have too many choices out there, and I don't know if any of them are good. I know. You know, and then and then and then you don't want to risk watching a garbage thing, right? You know. <laughs> anyway, that's so funny. All right, my number one. So now we're gonna jump ahead in time a little bit because you know Super Mario Brothers is what eighty six. Let's jump ahead a decade. Yep. So this still puts me. I'm sixteen years old. It's nineteen ninety six. I'm now like finding my identity. Uh, in terms of my interests, and uh, I've said it before, it led me to horror. I'm one of the you know the biggest horror fan you can find. This game came around a perfect time in my life for the PlayStation One, released in 1996. Resident Evil <laughs> number one, Resident <laughs> Evil for PlayStation One. That's awesome. First game I can remember just like staying up all night, just sitting in front of my TV, and just the atmosphere of that game. The you know, the dialogue's cheesy, yes, everyone knows, everyone loves la- laughing at, like, you, Jill, the master of unlocking, can use this, you know, those great dialogue sequences. <laughs> but a lot of people complain about the tank the tank controls, the overhead shots, but I made to me, it made Resident Evil almost like a movie. Like, every time you sure. moved around a corner, the angle changed, you were in another, another shot was set up for you. Um, 
And the principles of the classic adventure game, like I played with Leisure Suit Larry, like with King's Quest Four, they still applied. Like you explore, you find items, you find where they're gonna use them later. All the while, like there's zombies attacking you. You're in like this creepy mansion. What a great game! Uh, I, st- I Resident Evil Four probably will. If I was to do a list of the best games ever made for me, um, Resident Evil 4 is the greatest game of all time. But for these purposes, my number one game has to be Resident Resident Evil. <laughs> oh my god. I love it. I love it. Well, so, yeah. that's our that's our video game episode, folks. Yeah, I mean, I guess I guess looking back, like video games exist within everyone's history. Oh, for past. sure. It's just for me, I guess it was right, you know, it was the right appeal, but the wrong timing, you know, because I, I was I was getting into them at the same time I was getting out of them. Mm-hmm. You know, PlayStation one, an incredible, you know, advancement for oh, amazing for yeah. home gaming. It was it was incredible, but I was also getting in guitar at the same time mm-hmm. and guitar one. And Guitar One. Oh, then that sounds like a song title right there. And Guitar One. My ode to guitar. Oh, actually, well, that just that's going to bring me to another honorable mention. Let's just say quickly, because like I'm, I'm a musician as well. And this game was amazing when it first came out. Guitar Hero. Right. Did you like Guitar Hero? No. no. Yeah, to me, it was a rhythm game as well. I think maybe that's why I loved it as a drummer. But yeah, yeah Guitar Hero, just to be able to play along to those songs. Yeah. And I, and I find it really difficult. And I still cannot. A lot of guitar players say that. Yeah, I find it really difficult because it's not guitar. I know. It's the people who do really well at it are drummers, anyone who's more rhythm based, or people who are experienced with video games. So, and yeah, don't play an instrument. Yeah. Yeah, people who are completely sight oriented. And for me, I'm holding the guitar knowing that. You know, I should be playing a C chord, but I'm nowhere near the third fret. <laughs> There's and, only five buttons. And, yeah, and I'm like, well, what is this, right? Like, so and the it, clicking sound from the, the nah, hitting the strings doesn't make that me. clicking sound. So the closest I got to that was Dad bought for himself uh, an Xbox because he wanted to play Call of Duty. Uh, but so then one year he bought Rocksmith. Yeah, that's pretty. That's pretty hard to play. I only played it a couple times, and but. I I was doing really well at that. Good. I found with Rocksmith, the best part about it was that it was grading you based off of your mechanized performance. Yeah. Like perfection. It needed to be perfection. Like I remember playing along to Blood and Thunder by Mastodon. I think only on the intermediate level or something, but it was like, man, this is like, like they're not playing around with this game. Like I got to really got to like the middle section to Blood and Thunder. I was like, well, I failed, yep. you know, but I could play the chords to the verses. You can find us everywhere at Nostalgunk Pod and uh, continue to reach out. We've ran a, a, a couple of polls. Oh, yeah. On Twitter. Uh, great feedback. What this is doing, this is actually fueling future episodes. So because of a, a, an overwhelming response to a recent poll, uh, we will be doing a future episode on James Cameron's classic. Terminator. That's cool. Amazing. That movie's amazing. Yeah, yeah. So um, that that won't necessarily be a watch along, but it will definitely be uh, a little more comprehensive, dedicated to one movie, one topic. Mm-hmm. 
We're just a couple of jackasses with microphones in my basement thinking that everyone's <laughs> listening to us. For Nostalgia Junk Podcast, this is Matt McGraw saying, Welcome to prime time, bitch! <laughs> and I'm Kyle Smith saying, Let's keep it clean. Now come out boxing. Hey guys, I'm Darcy, founder of Spirit. And I'm Kelly, the chief technical officer of Spirit. Back in 2011, we formed the Supernatural Paranormal Investigations and Research Institute, searching for answers to mysterious things that were happening in our little corner of Canada. And we haven't stopped searching for those answers ever since. Join us on our podcast, Canadian Spirit, as we dive into all of Canada's most famous and forgotten paranormal mysteries. Examine the evidence and try to figure out what might be behind Canada's ghosts, cryptids, and UFO encounters. In Canadian spirit, you'll get a peek behind the curtain and see for yourself what being a paranormal investigator is really like and learn something about Canadian history, which isn't as boring as it sounds. Even if it is, we're a pair of chuckle fucks, so we'll do our best to make it entertaining. So come along for the ride and discover for yourself what makes the land of maple and hockey so wonderfully weird. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Podchaser, you know, wherever you find your podcasts. And remember, raccoons are aliens, werewolves are perverts, and ghosts are just downright rude sometimes. Hello yet again, and welcome to the Insanely Dangerous Retro Pod Show. Size doesn't matter, it's what you do with it. Yes, well, I mean, I'm off now because I've got to go and scream. Absolutely garbage. Paulie Shaw is somebody I don't really give a fuck about. He did kick me off the arse! <laughs> nice, nice argument there. Oh, shut up. Shut up, you tart. Oh, there's a finger. I, I almost urinated. Tune in next week because I just can't stop loving you guys. It's the Batman jeans. No more Andy Hinchcliffe. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. <laughs>